Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Come on, church. It's exciting to be here this morning. Let's give God another hand for the miracle offering. Isn't it awesome? That's great. You did that. We did that together, praying and hearing God and giving. Uh, I tell you, I'm so thankful for a generous church, and it's amazing to see uh, if we just open ourselves up to God and be a conduit, what God will actually do. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online right now. I want to welcome our Haslett campus who's watching right now and our McKinney campus. Can we give them a hand? Let's all welcome them and join in together. We're kicking off a brand new series, as Pastor Jeff said, called Thankful. And, and it's, it's already here, you know, Thanksgiving, holiday season's here. We're kind of winding that last kind of curve in the year. And, you know, for a lot of people, Thanksgiving coming up this week is, is a big deal. And, and I got to tell you, as a Cajun from South Louisiana, it's a big deal. The, the family members and stuff, that, that's all great. But it's really all about the food. Let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? It's about the food. And it's an all-day event where I'm from. And uh, we'll start off early in the morning with finger foods. You know what I'm saying? Boudin some cracklings, maybe some like, you know, personal size crawfish pies. I might just stop and preach on that for a second right now. But uh, then we move on to like the, the main course. We'll have your selection of gumbos, you know, your seafood gumbos for those who are risky. Chicken and sausage gumbo for your just everyday middle of the people. My personal favorite duck and sausage gumbo. So we'll have that and maybe a pork roast that's stuffed with some rice and gravy. That's awesome. And, and, and maybe for you people who really like turkeys, We'll, we'll do it, but we'll do it a little bit different with a Cajun twist. We're going to debone that, and we're going to stuff it with seafood dressing. Come on, somebody. And it's going to be powerful. And uh, we're going to end it with some banana uh, pudding, some bread pudding, and some pecan pie. And we'll pass out, and then we'll wake up the next day and do it all over. Because if you know, gumbo is always better on the second day, right? Well... As excited as I am about Thanksgiving, you know, the truth is there are, there are a lot of people as we come into this season um, not so excited about the holiday season. Maybe that's simply because um, there will be an empty seat where maybe someone that you love that have passed away is not going to be there this year. Or maybe, you know, you're traveling to meet some family or you have family coming in and maybe there's some, some tension there. And so we always have to remember that uh, for some people, the holiday season is a tough time, but... How can we have peace in our souls? How do we have peace in our hearts when, when things in our family, when things in our lives don't line up? How do we be a life-giving person as we go into those situations this, this year? And I'm, I wanna talk about that today. And, but I wanna ask you this question. Have you ever really been around someone who's genuinely grateful? A person who's thankful? You know, when you're around people who are grateful, who are thankful, there, there's something that you notice is that you know, they're not, they're not entitled. They don't have an entitled spirit. They're, they're genuinely glad to be in the room, and they're just glad to be a part of the conversation. And there's something powerful that happens when we are a grateful and a thankful person. You could say that a person that is grateful is full of peace as well. What if I told you that this holiday season that you and I, despite whatever may be going on in your world and in your family's world, you could be a life-giving person. You could be a person of gratitude and a person that has peace. And 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he writes this and he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are several commands that are in the Bible that we see from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Probably one that you're familiar with is, is the command to fear not, the instruction that God says, don't be afraid, I'm with you, and that's a great one. But what if I told you that the Bible in the Old Testament over 100 times and in the New Testament over 70 times has this phrase, give thanks or, or be thankful. Now I'm not saying it's the casual token thank you because someone opened the door for you or someone did something and you just kind of reply with, with thankfulness, or, but I'm talking about a genuine gratitude in your heart and in your soul for who God is and what God has done in your life. Maybe you're here and maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in Haslett or McKinney and you're saying, well, that's great, but like this year's been challenging. This year's been really difficult for me and I'm struggling to find something to be thankful for. Well, first of all, I understand, but second of all, I got you. Let me give you a few reasons why you can be thankful this year. Romans chapter five, verse eight says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were far away from God, that Christ died for us. That's something to be thankful about. Colossians one, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. My personal favorite, Psalms 103, says this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, as great his love for those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. So thankfulness, we need to understand, doesn't come from the outside. True gratitude and true thankfulness comes from within. It comes from the inside. I, I love that the Bible teaches that, that in the book of Psalms, it's 150 chapters, and it's a book all about thanksgiving and, and worship, but, but, but it's also real, and you can relate to it. I can relate to it, because there's all kinds of emotions in the book of Psalms. There's, there's gratitude, there's thankfulness, but there's also anger. There's despair. There's regret. And one of the Old Testament heroes who wrote a majority of the Psalms is King David. 150 Psalms in the Bible, he wrote 73. We could see that maybe there's a couple more that he wrote, but we know at least that he wrote those. And when you read that, you get an inside look into his heart, into his journey, into his walk with God. And, and I can relate with that, but I gotta be honest, when I'm, when I'm reading some of the Psalms, I think, wow, that's really great, David. Like if I too was on a writing retreat like that, like I could pen some really cool stuff that people would wanna say. Like I imagine that David spent most of his time writing the Psalms in a place like this, in a cabin like this, tucked in the woods, in the Pacific Northwest, and there's moss and ferns all around, and there's a nice hot tub and a fire pit, and there's a river that's running behind it, and there's access to trails that lead to alpine vistas like that. Oh man, in a place like that, I could write some pretty amazing stuff. But the truth is, is David didn't write Psalms in a place like this. David wrote Psalms, most of them he wrote running for his life. Most of the time he wrote Psalms when the circumstances surrounding his life were very difficult. 
He was in caves and he was hiding and he would be running from different people who would try to destroy him or take his, his kingdom from him. And I think about Psalms 34, a psalm that I pray a lot. It says this, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. When David wrote this psalm, it was right after a Philistine king was trying to kill him and he had to literally act insane to escape from this king and then he reflects on God and his goodness and he says this, he says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's power and thankfulness. You know that there's whole self-help books. There's whole podcasts that are, that are just like segmented for, for being thankful and having a heart of gratitude. In fact, there's been scientific studies done on people who are worshiping and people who are, have gratitude, genuine gratitude in their heart, and they've done brain scans. And what they've noticed in these brain scans was that when someone is genuinely grateful, when they're genuinely thankful, that dopamine and serotonin, two crucial neurotransmitters, they're released into the body and they combat anxiety and depression. So when God says, give thanks or be thankful, he understood how the human body was created and he understood that that was the way for us to combat the things that are going on around us. You ever thought about what is the fruit of being thankful? Like, if I'm genuinely a grateful person, what is the result of that? Well, the fruit of thankfulness is peace. When I'm a person who is thankful for what God's done in my life and for who he is, the result of that is peace. John 14, Jesus, as he's about to go to the cross, he, he tells his disciples, he says this, he says, peace I give you. And the peace that I give you is not the peace that's in the world. Philippians 4 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The fruit of thankfulness is God's peace in our life. You ever thought for a moment about why peace is so fleeting? Everyone wants it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor, or if you're strong or if you're weak. Everyone all around the world, we desire peace. The problem is the world gives peace in different packaging than what God does. And when you get it and when you open it up, you're left disappointed. You're left frustrated. You're left wanting more. Truth is, I can remember ever since I was a young boy struggling with this and wrestling with, with peace. Especially in the years with my middle school and my high school years, there was just a constant conflict in my soul. And I was trying to find peace in all these different types of ways. And every once in a while, I would stumble upon temporary peace. I would stumble upon something that, that fulfilled me for a moment. 
but it would go and, and it would be fleeting and, and I was left trying to you know, grasp for something else. But at 19 years old, God revealed himself to me in a very low moment of my life. And it was because of that moment and God's revelation of who he was in my darkest hour that God's not distant, that he's close, closer than we can imagine, more loving and forgiving, I decided I'm going all in and I'm giving my life to Jesus and I stepped across the line at 19 years old. And I remember for the first time, the smile that was on my face was not fake. The smile that was on my face is real and the peace that I experienced in my heart was something that I truly had never experienced before in my life. But as I began to walk with God, that peace would kind of come and go. And at the time, I, I didn't understand why. I didn't understand why in some moments I could feel God's presence and peace, but, but in others I didn't. And so I was in a moment where I was like, I, I need God's peace right now because I need, I need to know God's with me. And so I decided to, I'm gonna go in my room and we had a spare bedroom in our house and so I went in there and I put on some worship music on. And I got on my knees and I began to sing and I began to worship God and I gotta tell you, I didn't grow up in a family where we, where we expressed a lot of emotions. We didn't throw out the word I love you though we, we did love each other very much but we, didn't, we weren't very you know, affectionate. In fact, there was a lot more of you need to get tough. You need to stop crying or you need to go be with your mom if you're gonna do that. It was a lot more of that kind of thing. And so naturally when it came to me trying to express my heart and my gratitude to God, I didn't know how to do it. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't good at it, I, it felt weird, it was awkward. And in that moment I, I said, I'm pushing past the awkwardness. I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna sing this song and I'm gonna worship God and I'm gonna be here, I don't care how long it takes until I feel something until I experienced something and I began to worship God and I don't know how much time went by, but all of a sudden, the peace and the presence of God came and filled that room and met me in that room. And I realized in a moment that, well, wait a minute. I can access God's peace anytime I need, but it's through this avenue of worship. You see, worship is the bridge that connects thankfulness and peace. Because when I'm a truly thankful person, not by circumstances, not by outward things, not by health status or financial status, or if everything's, it's, I'm, I'm internally grateful for who he is and what he's done, I'm thankful. And all of a sudden what that thankfulness produces is worship. It produces gratitude. It produces a heart of thanksgiving to God. And then his presence comes, and with his presence comes what? His peace. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. What is worship? The best way I could describe it, if I could reduce worship into the most simplest terms, it would be this. Worship is our heart's response to who God is and what God has done. See, unfortunately, we've marginalized worship as a people. And we've relegated to worship to the 15 minutes that we do at the beginning of a service or it's that thing that like really emotional people do and I'm not really into that. And can I submit to you this morning that the reason that we do that is because we truly don't understand what worship really is and what it produces in our hearts. And if you knew that worship was the bridge that connected thankfulness and peace, you might be a more worshipful person. You might engage in that more because peace comes and goes, but we need a peace that passes all understanding. And I gotta say, as a, as, a, as, a, as a man, you know, this is something that we, we get wrong a lot of times as men. 
because we think that, you know, like, you know, that's, that's really not a, a manly thing to do. And I, I determined a long time ago from that first time I really encountered God's presence that I wasn't just going to be a person who worshiped. I was going to be a worshiper. I was going to be a person every single day of my life when I woke up that I was going to give God thanks whether I felt like it or not. Despite what was going on, despite the news, uh, I was going to thank God for who he is and what, and God never did another thing in my life because he rescued me out of darkness and brought me into the light and he's forgiven me and has casted my sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't have to do another thing for me. I'm going to worship him and I'm going to thank him. And all of a sudden, I realized this, it's not a certain type of man thing or a certain type of person thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a heart thing. It's a gratitude thing. And when someone's been genuinely touched by God in their heart, you can't help but express. Now, I know our hearts are expressed differently. Some lift their hands, some sing, some shout, some quietly reflect. Notice, I'm not talking about how you do it. I'm talking about your heart. Just because someone may not worship the way you do doesn't mean that they're grateful or thankful. But our heart has to respond to who God is and what God has done. And so I worship God all, all the time. Whether it's when I work out in my garage by myself, you'll never see it. No one else will see it. But guess what? I know God sees it. And I spend time in there and I begin to worship God and, and I understand the power of what it does or I go on a bike ride late at night and I'm worshiping God and I'm, I'm thanking him for what he's done. It changes the atmosphere of my heart. It magnifies and lifts God above my circumstances. So why should we worship? Well, number one, we should worship because we're created to worship. We're created to worship. You know that the word worship comes from the word worth? We all show worth to something. We all have something that we worship, that we give worth to. It could be a hobby, could be a job, it could be vacations, it could be whatever. We, you're gonna worship something because that's how God created you. But can I submit to you that God created us to really worship him? Why is it as, as people that we're ashamed in the church house to really express our feelings and our gratitudes to God, but we can go to places like this and we can just freak out? I mean, look at that guy. He's the only one. He don't care. He's just up there like, I don't care if I'm the only one. What if that's how you approach worship? doesn't matter what anyone else is doing around me. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship God because I know what God's done in my life and I know what God's rescued me from. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you might declare the praise or that you might worship or be grateful or be thankful of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You and I are going to worship something we were created to worship. Number two, why should we worship? Well, God is worthy of our worship. If there's anything in life, if there's anyone that's worthy of our affection, worthy of our praise, worthy of our adoration. It's God Almighty who spoke and created everything we see and holds it together by his own power. I love what Revelations 4, 11 says. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power and honor. For you have created all things, and by you they exist and were created. It doesn't matter what I face going into this holiday season. 
It doesn't matter what I face going into the next year. My God is worthy to be praised. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun till its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And I'm going to be a man unashamedly who praises God and worships God. Finally, number three, this was the game changer for me. When I got the revelation of this, it changed everything in my life. We were created to worship, yes. God is worthy of our worship, 100%. But did you know that worship is a weapon? Worship is a weapon. Scripture makes it very clear that you and I engage in spiritual warfare, that it's a reality of our lives. And there is an enemy who understands the power of worship, Satan, the devil, His name was Lucifer. He was an archangel, a created being by God, powerful, and the leader of worship in heaven. And when he was lifted up by pride because he wanted to receive worship, he was cast down. He understands that if you and I get a hold of this revelation, that worship is more than just singing in a service, that worship is powerful and it affects so much in our life. I love 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish demolish strongholds. And the truth is, is that I want to win in life. And I know you want to win in life too. We want to win at our jobs. We want to win in our families. We want to win in our hobbies. We want to win in all the things that are important to us. But why is it that we don't know how to win when it comes to spiritual warfare and fighting against the enemy? Because he's already defeated. We have to learn how to access what God has made available to us. I will say it like this. When we worship, we declare his kingdom and we announce his presence. When we worship, we push back the darkness and we take authority over principalities and powers. When we worship, faith is being ignited in our hearts. And when we worship, we exalt Christ and his dominion over every situation and every circumstance. When we worship, our circumstances might not change, but our outlook will change. When we worship, anxiety and fear have to bow at his presence. When we worship, we declare who God is and what God has done. When we worship, we lift him up and he draws people unto himself. And when we worship, thanksgiving is our entry point, joy is our strength, and breakthrough is our inheritance. Come on, somebody. There is power in worship. Psalm 68, 2 says this, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. What happens when we worship? God is lifted up. And when God is lifted up, what happens? The enemy has to flee. Psalms 137 is is a psalm that I've read before, but what I'm about to tell you, I've never really seen before. I didn't see it until this week as I was studying for this message, and I think it's so powerful. Because the enemy wants to do everything in his power to get you and I, especially men, to marginalize worship as that's an emotional thing that those guys that fit that kind of profile do. That, that's something that you know, radical people do. He wants you to marginalize it because he doesn't want you to understand the power. And Psalms 137 is a reflection of what happened when the children of Israel were invaded by the Babylonian Empire. They were there living their lives, doing their thing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, unplanned, unexpected, things begin to shift and begin to change, and an 
army begin to invade their land, tear down their buildings, burn their temples, all of a sudden kill their loved ones, and they were enslaved and they were in chains. And they marched them out of their homeland into a foreign place. And the Bible says that they were so much in despair and distress that the writer writes something I think is pretty amazing. He says this, besides the river of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps and we hung them in the branches of the poplar trees. For our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on joyful hymns. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem, but how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a pagan or a foreign land? You see, the people of God were known as a worshiping people, and they often would carry with them lyres and harps, portable uh, instruments, a simplistic instrument, but it was their primary instrument of worship. And they were in such despair that as they were on the edge of the, the rivers leading into Babylon, and they were leaving their homeland into a foreign land, there was no worship left within their hearts. And they said, we're going to take our instruments and we're going to hang them up. Can I tell you that the enemy wants to do everything in his power to get you and I to hang up our worship, to hang up our praise, to hang up our thanksgiving, to hang up our gratitude. Why? He understands if he could get you in despair with unforeseen circumstances, unforeseen challenges, health risks, financial challenges, and get you to look at your circumstances, you all of a sudden will implode on the inside and the strength that God wants to produce will be taken away. When we worship and when we magnify God, we lift him up and we don't lift up our problems. I'm here to tell you that your circumstance might not change. The things that are surrounding your life this Thanksgiving, this Christmas might not change, but if you're a worshiping person, peace is gonna come in your soul and you're gonna step into that situation with life. You're gonna step into that situation with faith. Think about Paul and Silas. God spoke to Paul, he says, go to Macedonia. There's people over there I want you to reach. So Paul goes and he's doing ministry. And all of a sudden, there's this girl who's possessed by an evil spirit and her two owners are using her in this spirit to profit off fortune telling. And man, they're going and they're on their way to preaching for days. This spirit in this girl is just tormenting Paul and them. Paul's got, he just had enough. He turns around, he rebukes the spirit, tells it to come out, and it leaves. And all of a sudden, when the slave owners realize that this young girl is now in her right mind and she's healed, they're not gonna be able to like benefit and profit from her anymore, so they grab Paul and Silas and they bring them and they tell this lie. And they accuse them of some things that they didn't do. And all of a sudden, they're beaten half to death, beaten with sticks and with rods, and the guards were instructed to bring them down into the very bottom of the prison cell to an unsanitary place in the dungeon and lock them in stocks and chains, bleeding, battered, discouraged, going, what is going on, God? They could have sat there and just complain and say, God, I, th I, th I thought like this, was the, this wasn't the plan. I thought the plan was for ministry. But they didn't do that. They didn't focus on their circumstance. The Bible says, Acts chapter 16, it was about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
And the other prisoners were listening to them and they were watching. It's always, it's always a good reminder. There's always people watching our lives. It's not the pressure to be perfect because we're not. I, I gave up trying to be that a long time ago. I just want to be quick to repent. If I've offended someone or done something wrong, I just quick to repent, ask God to forgive me and move on because I know I'm not perfect. But the thing is, they begin to worship and they begin to magnify God when their problems were surrounding them and imploding on them and God showed up. He showed up and he shook every door to that jail cell, busted them all open and every chain on every prisoner was set free. And if you read the rest of the story, the chief jailer, he got saved, his family got saved and a revival broke out. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's cool. Like, that's great. That's some good Bible stories. But what about you, preacher? Have you ever had a bad situation or a desperate situation and where God showed up in his peace? I've had a lot, actually. But two years ago, in particular, I had one that would just really stands out to me. A couple of friends, we went on a backpacking trip and we're out. It was a hundred mile loop around this mountain that we were doing. And we were 80-something miles out of the backcountry, and it was the night, of, the night before our last day, and so we were going to hike out the next day, and as we're hiking, it's getting late at night, and we're up this very steep section on this mountain, and the switchbacks were just real, just kind of just straight up, and it was more like scrambling than hiking. And I mean, the light was going down. We had our headlamps on, and we had been hiking literally for almost 15 hours that day. And I mean, our packs, 40 pounds, I mean, we were tired. We were worn out. We just wanted to get to camp. And all of a sudden, man, out of nowhere, tragedy struck. And one of the guys that was with us, he just almost slipped off the mountain. He caught himself and his leg snapped in half. And I remember in that moment as he's screaming and hollering and we're like, is this really real? Is this really happening right now? It couldn't have been in the worst possible place. It was in the middle of a rock slide where at any moment where we had to station, rocks could come down upon us that night. And there was nowhere to, to, to stage to the left and to right, so we had to stage right there in the middle of that rock slide. And just like feet from where we were laying that night is a 1,500 to 2,000-foot drop-off were right there. And to make matters worse, I mean, the wind was ripping up through that gully. We had no cover from the weather. There was nothing that we could do, and, and so uh, we tried to make a be the best out of a very bad situation. I called rescue on my Garmin device, and they let me know that, like, hey, it's going to be 15 to 20 hours before we can get there, and night had just started. They said, do the best you can. Keep him as warm as possible, and you guys hang on until we can get there. Man, we had a couple choices in that moment. Panic. Blame him, blame God. Or we could sit there and go, you know what? There's nothing we can do about this. So we're gonna, we're gonna just huddle up. I picked him up, crawled up underneath him. He's laying on top of me. The other guy's on the other side. We're trying to stay warm. Wind's whipping, it's cold. I don't know if it's gonna rain. I don't know how they're gonna rescue us. We're trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden, I grab my phone and I put on some worship music. And we begin to sing. I can't explain to you in words what happened in that moment. As the peace and the presence of God met us on the side of that mountain, that night marked my life. It marked the life of those guys that were with me. And what it taught me and what it showed me is it doesn't matter. 
If it's a situation in the back country, or if it's a situation in my own home, or with my own family members, my circumstance may be bad, but if I worship and I have a thankful heart, God's peace and his presence will come, and I can withstand whatever the enemy throws my way because I know that God is with me. I know that God is with me. How does this work, especially for us men, practically? Well, let me tell you, when you begin to worship God, all of a sudden you go into that job different. I wake up in the morning and I put worship music on. And then when I'm driving to my job, I worship God. And when I get out of my truck, I got headphones in and I worship God as I'm walking in. Why? Because worship changes the atmosphere of my heart and my soul. When you worship God, you can go into your family and you can be a life-giving man. Not a perfect man, but you can be a life-giving man. You can set the tone in your home. You know what we need to transfer? The Bible says from one generation to the next, we shall declare your praises. It's time that we not just transfer hard work or how to save your money or how to do, we need to transfer what it means to be a man or a woman of God who worships God in the midst of whatever comes our way, that we are a different people, that we can say to the world, listen, we don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. But let me just tell you, I can walk through anything that comes my way, not because I'm good, not because I'm talented, but because my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? And with God's peace and his presence in my life, you and I can stand in a dark hour. I'm challenging the men of Milestone. I'm challenging you to rise up and be a man of worship. I'm challenging you to get over your feelings and get over your emotions and learn that worship is more than just an expressing of our hands or singing of songs. It's a very spiritual thing. I know you want to win. I know you want to win in matters of spirituality. I know when darkness comes against your family, you want to know how to fight. Well, let me tell you how you fight. You get on your knees and you begin to worship God. You begin to declare out of your mouth who God is and what he says about your circumstances. You watch the enemy run. When you magnify God, when you exalt him, the enemy runs. Your situation may not change, but I'm telling you, your family in the midst of that, oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you right now for every single person within the sound of my voice. I pray for those who are watching online. Lord, I... I feel your presence even in this moment, God. I know that you're here with us, and you're here, God, not because of me, but because I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking who you are. God, you promise that when we lift you up, that your presence will come. And it's not just in the church house, God. It's in our own homes. It's in our places of business. So as we're driving here and we're driving there, you can meet with us anywhere, God. And Lord, like I learned as a 19-year-old man, a young man that, God, I could get in your presence and experience peace, God. Everyone, we can experience your peace too. The way we get there is have a thankful heart, which produces worship, which ushers in your presence and brings your peace. I thank you, God, that the men of this house are gonna rise up and be men who worship you with all their hearts, in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.